Welcome to Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio, and Tyler is not with us today. He is working on Redacted at his Redacted job in Los Angeles. Uh, and instead, I am joined by friend of the pod, the official Texas Longhorns correspondent, uh, USA Today's Longhorn Wire writer, Kevin Borba. Kevin, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Sergio. How are you? I'm doing well, and that will be the only time I call you Kevin. You will now be Borba <laughs> from now on, which is what yes. I call you in real life. <laughs> and all the time. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Borba and I went to grad school together at Quinnipiac, and we are close, close friends. And so I figured if there is no one better to bring on to talk this wild, wild saga that is Oklahoma and Texas potentially entering the SEC, but more than likely leaving the Big 12 than noted Texas fan and the USA Today's Longhorn Wire writer, Kevin Borba. So, Borba, let's let's jump right into it. Why are Oklahoma and Texas leaving the Big 12? So, yeah, that's a great question. Um, honestly, I think <laughs> everybody, I don't think anybody was expecting this except for the people that obviously knew. Um, whether everybody in the SEC knew or not is up for debate. But mm-hmm. honestly, I think it's a money thing. Um, I think it's one the TV contract that Texas and Oklahoma, I believe last season, Texas played maybe one or two night games. I just think the TV schedule that we have is not prime time. We're not treated as a the big 12 is not treated as a prime time conference. And can, so I, what, can I tell you why I have some numbers pulled up for you? Go ahead. I, pull, did, pull. I, I did some homework um, in September of 2012. The big set big 12 signed a deal with ESPN and Fox. That was 13 years worth $2.6 billion. And when you distribute that out per year per school, each school receives $20 million annually. Now, that's great, and that's fantastic. In 2012, that was the best deal that was around. It was literally the best deal that was possible. That deal obviously expires in 2025. Recently, and when I say recently, I mean in December of this year, of 2020, I'm sorry, in December 2020, the SEC and Disney, who owns ABC and ESPN, signed a 10-year, $3 billion deal um, with the SEC. They signed that together. That will be pulling away the SEC game of the week on CBS, RIP, to ABC or ESPN or whatever channel they choose to put it on. But the point there is each SEC school is going to be receiving significantly more money on a per-year basis and on a per-institution basis. And like you said, the SEC is getting all these primetime games, right? The 330 SEC Game of the week slot. That's going to move over to ABC. The primetime 7 o'clock night games. Very rarely did we see a Big 12 team play in those ABC, Kirk Street, Chris Fowler games. And for the most part, it was it was Bedlam. It was OU and Oklahoma State for the most part, you know? So I'm with yep. you. They're just so the numbers, the audience can have those numbers so they know exactly the magnitude of money that is on the table um, and the inspiration for OU and Texas to leave. But go ahead, Borba. I just wanted everybody to have no, those that, numbers. That's a, that's a great point. But to piggyback off of that, you were talking about the primetime slots. The Big 12's primetime slot was the 8.30 a.m. game. Like, not even joking. Like, oh, there was I, no- let's, 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 let's say this for the listeners. Borba's from California. So when he says the 8.30 a.m. slot, most of us <laughs> are getting ready for game day at 8.30 a.m. He means noon kickoffs, ladies and gentlemen, for those of us in a reasonable time that's- zone. That's a um, fair point, but still. Yeah, so, for clarity, <laughs> the afternoon. But could, game, but could you imagine having one of the two you know, Oklahoma playing at eight thirty in the morning? You imagine waking up on a Saturday and seeing OU play Kent, 
Kansas, bad example, they lose Kansas State. OU True. play, uh, you know, Texas Iowa State Tech or something. At, yeah. Texas Tech at 8.30 in the morning. Yeah, that's not indicative of a top-tier program. No, so honestly, the Big 12 just wasn't really treated as a elite program, which it's not. There's only 10 teams in a conference that's named after 12. Um, I think there was, there was rumors and speculation that Texas has been trying to leave since 2010. So this has been in the works. Like whether it was going to be the Pac-12 or then could have been the Pac-10 at the time, I don't remember. And that was a long time ago. To, uh, but it could have been the Pac-12, the SEC, maybe the ACC. But Texas has been trying to leave the Big 12. And it's a money thing. And especially now that we have what we're going to have as a super conference, why not be in the best super conference of them all? Yeah, and and I think bringing in Oklahoma and Texas makes the SEC. I mean, it's already the preeminent football conference in the country in terms of performance on the field, and based off of you know the money, it's also the richest going to be the richest after once this deal kicks in. Um, I think it's important to note as well that Texas, like you said, was trying to go to a different conference back then during the first round of realignment. There were rumors that they were very close to a deal with the Pac-12. But ultimately, that kind of fell through because of the Longhorn Network, right? The Longhorn Network is an SEC property, and the Pac-12 was trying to create their own network of channels, which, as we all know, has gone horrifically wrong um, because nobody has access to the Pac-12 network. <laughs> um, but but that's another reason for being there. Borba, what do you, do you think this is good for Texas and Oklahoma and we know that it's good for the SEC as a whole, but who do you think suffers in this scenario if Oklahoma and Texas were to join the SEC? Uh, to go off your first question, this is great for Texas and Oklahoma because, one, playing in the SEC, uh, this is like a, a negative mindset to take, but I'm going to assume that we're going to drop a game or two. And with the playoff in mind, there's a better chance for us to still make the playoff, both teams, with maybe two losses in SEC play rather than two losses in Big 12 play. And to answer your question about who this affects in the Big 12, well, the Big 12 is going to be gone. Like, there is going to be no more Big 12. There is no teams across the nation that could be brought in that will resurrect the Big 12 because, at the like, Texas being the biggest team in the Big 12 and they're not even nationally contending for anything, if that doesn't say anything about the conference, I don't know what does. Like, Iowa State should be able to be able to carry a conference, but nobody believes or cares about Iowa State that much. And they're already rumored to be heading to the Big 10. So, like, the Big 12, if they want to add teams, I guess they could get like Cincinnati, BYU or whatever, but it's going to affect the Big 12. And I think the Big this is the death of the Big 12 as we know it. So so do you think that the conference dissipates or do you think that they go out and they try to get a Cincinnati? They try to get a BYU, a UCF, um, a Memphis, those kind of schools. And we see you know them try to basically save themselves. Uh, I think the conference should just call it a quits. I think... I, like I think the conference itself, like the people in charge, are going to try to be like, "Oh, it's fine. We got teams coming in." But the literal schools should be looking for new homes because you bring it. You could bring in those schools, and those are all impressive programs for group group or five programs. But when you have like say eight, no, I don't know, group in Iowa State, six teams in the Big Twelve that are like never relevant, and then you bring in like four, say four. Um, for a group of five teams, that's basically a group of five conference with one really good team. And so well, at that wouldn't there be an but here's the thing though, wouldn't there be an argument to say that if you take out Oklahoma and Texas, that the American is a better conference? Like like here's my argument, right? If you take the top two teams in the American, let's put it as Cincinnati and UCF, right? Top two mm -hmm. programs in that conference. Let's remove them and then let's remove Oklahoma and Texas from the Big Twelve. 
I think with those teams that are left, the American is a better conference than what you have left with the Big 12. That's how much of it, of that's how important Oklahoma and Texas are to the Big 12. Whereas with the American, I think if you take away Cincinnati and UCF, yes, you're losing your two best teams, you're losing your two two best programs, and you're losing the two teams that have the most realistic opportunity to make it the 12 the presumptive 12 team playoff that, you know, we think will be coming in the next few years. But I think if you take those top two teams from each of those conferences away, the American is a better football conference than the Big 12, in my opinion, with what's left over. I could see that. And honestly, just even the American teams joining the Big 12 would be more of a trap to them. Like like Gus Malzahn and what he's doing at UCF right now, or what he's going to do at UCF, is going to be worth a whole lot more than what he could do in the Big 12. Like since Texas and Oklahoma are going to the SEC, this is just going to trigger like a whirlwind of everybody moving everywhere. So I'm pretty sure UCF has a ticket punched ready to go to the ACC when called. Like, why not wait it out for a conference that it's not going anywhere? Like the, the ACC so, is staying. Right. So you brought that up about like mega conferences. You brought that up earlier. So here's what I have been reading and hearing and stuff that we're going to end up with four 16 team super conferences, right? Mm-hmm. That we would end up with the SEC with these addition of these two programs. We would end up with 16 teams there. The ACC has 14. They would presumptively uh, take in Notre Dame as a full-time member if they choose to do so. And I want to remind everyone that Notre Dame, and listeners of this podcast will know that I'm not the biggest fan of Notre Dame being independent. I'm not anti-Notre Dame. I'm anti-Notre Dame thinking they're better than everyone else and being independent, even though it is financially been proven that they would make more money if they joined the ACC full-time as football members than staying independent. They are literally paying to be worse off, but whatever, I digress. There is a clause in their contract with the ACC that says that if they were to join a, what is called an autonomy five conference, which is another word for the power five, but that is the legal jargon used with the NCAA and courts of law and all that kind of stuff. If they were to join an autonomy five conference, the ACC has the first right of refusal. The ACC is not going to refuse Notre Dame coming into this conference. So let's presume and say that they are the 15th team. Then you have one extra slot for another team. Which team do you think would go in there? And I want to push back on your earlier comment about UCF because the ACC has Miami and Florida State. I don't know if they want to go ahead and create that. I don't know if Miami and Florida State would like that, number one. Number two, I don't think the ACC as a whole wants to create the situation where the bulk of their teams are in Florida and North Carolina, which is kind of what's going on right now. If you do go that route, close to half of your teams would be uh, located in those two states, and I'm not sure that that's the healthiest thing that they want to maintain. What team do you think would be that 16th team or if Notre Dame decides to be dumb and not go into a conference like the ACC, what are the other teams that you think can go in the ACC? And then we'll attack the other conferences later. Right. Okay. So that, that's, that's a good question. Um, for one, the first team that comes to mind is West Virginia, actually. Just to add another team in that Virginia area. Um, they haven't really been relevant football-wise or basketball-wise, for that matter, lately. I, I want to push back. I want to push back on the Will Greer year. Yeah. That, that I want to push back on the Will Greer year. That's it. That, that's all I want to say. They were solid, but like basketball wise, they've been solid. Like I think West Virginia has always been the team that I've been willing to boot out of the Big Twelve, just because it seems like they have no ties there. Um, it it's just not a like, it's not a geographical fit. It just doesn't make sense, and like not that Central Florida coming to the Big Twelve makes sense, but it's like the connection that they would get from Florida to the Big Twelve area is better. But West Virginia just doesn't offer anything to the Big Twelve area, and I think mm-hmm. them being in a more geographically 
logical situation would make sense for them. And they could maybe rekindle that rivalry. Yes. That, yes. Do it again. Say it again. Say it again. With who? Rekin- rivalry with, with who? Pitt. Excuse me. With Pitt. With, it's not. A, it's not a rivalry. It's a brawl. It is a, a backyard brawl, brawl <laughs> yes. ladies and gentlemen. And they're playing this season. And you bet that if we're not going to talk about that game extensively, <laughs> you played yourself, ladies and gentlemen. That is one of my all-time favorite rivalries in college football, and it has no business being it. And it's solely because they haven't played in a decade. And it's it's approaching Texas Texas A and M levels of petty of who won't play whom. And all yes. that kind of stuff. So West Virginia is your choice for the ACC, right? Yeah. What about the Big Ten? There's reports that Kansas have inquired about going in. There's reports that Iowa State have inquired about going in. Who do you think um, the Big Ten would add, what, two teams to make it into a 16-team super conference? I think it would be those two teams. Iowa State, for one, is pretty pretty competitive in every sport. They're pretty solid at basketball most of the time. Football, they've obviously become... a a potential powerhouse. I'm not going to call them a powerhouse yet because I got to see something. And then Kansas, the only reason I say Kansas is literally their basketball program. Kansas' basketball program is way too good to not be in one of these super conferences. And so their new coach, Lance Leopold, should go think Bill Self and the dynasty that he's paid for because that is what's keeping Kansas as a we'll, – we'll keep Kansas in a power conference. A super is, okay, conference. so that was my next question with Kansas. Their ba- is their basketball program really strong enough to carry everything else? I know football is a is a generating – is a gen- – a, revenue generating sport that can carry an athletic department you don't see basketball to be that kind of you know program carrier at a top top level with the exception of places like duke um Mm -hmm. very rarely do you have it kansas is one of those that the big 10 would say hey we'll take you in even though your football program is probably the worst in the country among power five teams they would they would take that solely for the basketball I would say so. but the Big Ten is a very big basketball-oriented conference, too. So I think that would, they would enjoy that for their conference. And I hope for Kansas' sake because, say, Kansas had a mediocre basketball program. Like, they're they're getting sent down to, like, maybe the FCS level. <laughs> like, Kansas has proven no reason for them to be at the FBS Power 5 level. So they better hope that their basketball program is worthy enough because if it's not, then <laughs> rip Kansas. <laughs> yeah, right. So then what about what about the Pac-12, right? Because the Pac-12 currently has 12 teams. They would have to have four to yes. enter this 16-team super conference conversation. I think so. among the Power Five, it's the Pac-12 and the Big 12 are tied in terms of which conference is the most expendable. And I guess since the Big 12 is imploding, they're by default the fourth best conference. Do you see them adding four more teams, especially since they're so far out west geographically? or Or, hear me out, do you see the American coming in, absorbing kind of some of those, trying to convince some of those Big 12 teams, taking some of their programs and kind of asserting themselves as that fourth super conference? What do you think? I think that the Americans should try to do that because it doesn't hurt them at all if they do that. Um, I think the Pac-12, strictly because they have USC and Oregon and, and Washington kind of, I think that'll be the main reason that they will stay the fourth conference. Um, I think, like you like you were asking, I think they should try to reach out and grab teams. The only issue is who are they going to grab? Because there's not that many teams geographically that makes it. Like Boise State would make sense, but Boise State runs the Mountain West Conference. They get any TV deal they want. They have literally the, like one of the bigger TV deals in college football. They have the best TV deal in that conference. And with the, the playoff going to expand, we all know it's going to expand. We just don't know how much. Why would Boise State risk playing in a tougher conference when they could just stay in the Mountain West 
and continue to dominate and then wait their turn to make it into the playoff. So that leaves B- the Pac-12 with BYU, which they're independent like Notre Dame. Um, they could join. Um, they could look the, the way of maybe Air Force, which is, yeah. I mean, Air Force is solid. Right, yeah. And then, then you go San Diego State maybe and Hawaii okay. would be teams that I would consider. But again, none of those teams are going to boost them to be an elite conference. It just gives them 16 teams. You wouldn't what, go UNLV to try to get Vegas? No, they're so bad. Really? At every, they're so bad at everything. Okay. Like okay, basketball, but, but they're solid, but they're so bad at but everything here's the else. Thing. I don't know if it adds up. Go ahead, sorry. But, here, but here's the thing where when we saw realignment last time with the Big Ten, I mean, Rutgers wasn't top-tier program. Like they, they had a couple good years with Greg Schiano, and he's back there trying to do it again. But like they got them simply because of New Jersey and because New York was right there. That's why Syracuse is in the ACC. That's why. Um, Rutgers in the Big Ten, like conferences have done that before. They they've poached over certain schools strictly to get the media market. And I think Vegas, one of the fastest growing cities in the country, um, would probably be at UNLV would probably be in that conversation for you know a team that could pick up a, a spot in that kind of super conference. So okay, we talked about those types of conferences. Um, I want to go back to the SEC and I want to go back to focusing on Oklahoma and Texas. That was kind of the ramifications of what could happen because of this move. But I want to come back to the move itself. There's been reports that this was in the work for six months. Borba. Rende- rendezvous. <laughs> rendezvous. There were reports that this was in the works for six months. And like you said at the beginning, we don't know how many SEC presidents and athletic directors knew, but we know for sure Greg Sankey knew, the commissioner of the SEC. We knew for sure Oklahoma and Texas were in on it because they're the ones that wanted to go. And we don't know how much Texas A&M was in on this. Now, Borba, before we go into this, can you give us, and I know you are a Texas fan and you write for the USA Today's Texas outlet, but I want you to give me an unbiased, as much as you can, um, little quick history on why Texas and Texas A&M are such bitter, bitter, bitter rivals. Because I feel like that is going to give context to what happened this week during SEC Media Days. So this is this is literally not trying to be sound biased or anything. Texas A&M has always felt as if Texas was valued more in the Big Twelve. Um, the which as an from an outsider's perspective is true, right? And was that, true when when the Big Twelve was thing, right? And the current athletic director even said that the reason they left was that they wanted to form their own identity. And so I think that too much of Texas A&M was predicated on how they did against Texas or what they did in comparison to Texas. And I just think they wanted to branch out and not be the common, the literal only comparison for Texas is the only reason that they make headlines. And like right. we saw them as soon as they went to the SEC, they got Johnny Manziel. And like that was the most relevant Texas A&M had been in my lifetime was when yeah, they had when, when they had Johnny Manziel. And it was when they finally left the Big 12. And then they finally were, which I think what's unfortunate and now that I'm realizing is they left the SEC or they left the Big 12, excuse me, and thought they would be more valued in the SEC. And I think all the situation did was realize how unvalued the SEC like views them as like they don't value their opinion at all. But I think that's the situation they were trying to leave in the Big 12. So A&M leaves the Big 12 in the last round of realignment along with Missouri um, in order to form their own identity. Right. Mm-hmm. OK. Now that that's been established, I want to bring you back to Wednesday, which is when this news started to break. Um, We are currently recording Friday, July 23rd. So on Wednesday, this news broke. And 
it was reported by the Houston Chronicle, right? A local um, Houston area, which huge for get, those who don't get, know. Huge get for right, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> huge get for that guy. Um, which for those of you who don't know, College Station is just like an hour outside of Houston. So it is the preeminent university in the Houston area um, outside of the University of Houston, obviously. But if we're talking at a power five football level, it's A&M. It's an A&M town. So this guy gets the information and he leaks out that Texas and Oklahoma want to leave the Big 12 and they want to join the SEC. And it's a bit of a coincidence that on SEC media days is when this broke and the athletic director for Texas A&M was at media days. And, you know, I, I looked it up, Borba. And the last time that a, an athletic director for an SEC school was at SEC media days was 11 years ago. And he, oh, just so surprisingly happened to show up to media days and answer a bunch of questions. And do all of Radio Row and hop on the Fine Bomb Show and hop on SEC Network and do all of this talking about how this is horrible and they want to be the only school in Texas. And when Jimbo Fisher was asked um, at SEC Media Days about what he thinks of them wanting to join the SEC, and he says, yeah, I bet they do want to join the SEC. So Jimbo apparently was in on this kind of media circus, <laughs> I'll call it. Um, it's crazy, right? It's wild. It's crazy. Do you think that Texas A&M leaked this information? Um, no, I, I would say no. No. Okay. I would say, I would say they're trying to make it look like they had a part in leaking it, or maybe they want to look like they knew about it because how embarrassing will it be? Or is it because there's conflicting reports out there, whether they knew or not, how embarrassing would it be if their conference went behind their back, did not consult them at all. And mm-hmm. brought in their arch rival, and then like their the second tier arch rival that they could have had in the Big Twelve, like that'd be really embarrassing for them and just diminish the program as a whole. Um, I do think the athletic director thing is interesting, um, especially since this isn't Jimbo's first year. I could see if it was like Jimbo's first year, maybe that athletic director tagged along to make sure, like I don't know, uh-huh. just make sure, make sure he's not getting the, like tricked or something. But yeah. that's interesting. But I've also seen an ESPN article confirmed, or they reported that they found out, um, excuse me, that Texas A and M had not heard or talked about Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC. So from what I've seen reported, yeah, they didn't know. I think they're just trying to make it look like they know. It's kind of like when you hang out with your friends and everybody's telling a story and you weren't there, but you're going to act like you're there because you don't want to be that one guy that wasn't there. And so Texas A&M is that one guy that wasn't there that's trying to act like they weren't there. Yeah, they're they're the one that's trying to ignore and be like, nope, not me, not me, didn't know. Um, This is interesting, man. This is very, 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 very interesting. And another thing about this whole situation, Borba, is that it would probably have to change the way that football is played. And what I mean by that is scheduling, right? Because when you bring it in, the options that you have for a modern day football conference, you have two different conference uh, divisions of eight, right? If you have 16 teams, or you can move to what has been suggested, which is a pod idea. We have talked about this extensively um, off off the air, where I am a big advocate of pods. Um, I think that pods would help with scheduling you would play your teams more often and for those that are unaware of pods the way that it's currently structured is you have an east and a west or whatever you want to name the divisions two divisions and you play everyone in your division and in the sec you play two interdivision games right 
So with the interdivision games, you have one, what they call permanent crossover. So for Florida, it's LSU. For Georgia, it's Auburn, um, et cetera, et cetera. And then you rotate the other intra-conference game, and that changes. Now, the problem with that is that you don't end up playing all the teams in your conference, right? You call yourself a conference of 14 teams, but really, it takes you about eight years to play everyone in your conference at least one time, right? You're playing your division every year. You're playing your permanent crossover every year, but then that other game rotates. With pods, let's use the 16 teams as an example. With pods, you have four pods of four. You play the teams in your pod every single year, and so that protects your rivalries, right? Your Florida and your Georgia would be in the same pod. Your Alabama and your Auburn would be in the same pod. Your Ole Miss, your Mississippi State would be in the same pod, protecting those kinds of rivalries. After that, you would then play... Um, that's, so that's three games, right? This would require expanding from eight conference games to nine. You would then play two teams from each of the other pods. So that's a total of six games. And then in the next year, you rotate the teams. So rather than taking about eight years to play everyone in your conference, after two years, you have played everyone in your conference at least once. And then after four years, you have played everyone in your conference, both home and away. So you get the experience for the student athletes. You get the fans to be able to go over to those games. You know, it's not going to end up where uh, Oklahoma and Texas join the SEC that I, as a Florida fan, am going to have the option of seeing Florida play Texas and Oklahoma every single year. No, 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 no. But I'm guaranteed that every other year I will be playing at least one of those teams, whether it's home or away in Austin or in Norman. And I think that that is a phenomenal idea. I think that there's a lot of other things that go with it. But I think on the surface, that is a cool scheduling aspect. What do you think about pods? And what's your ideal scheduling format for this? So pods, I understand the pods. The pods make sense. But at the same time, they don't make sense if they're not done correctly. And that's my biggest concern with the pods is if Mm -hmm. the correct teams, which I'm going to say, I think Texas A&M, Texas, Oklahoma should all be in a pod. It doesn't matter who the fourth is. Um, Florida, Georgia should be in a I pod. Think, I think it does matter who's in the fourth. I think it should be Arkansas because there's a traditional rival well, yeah, between yeah, Texas but, and Arkansas. Texas, they have that old historic. I think it's the perfect pot of four. You know. Yeah, but like your guys' pot should have Florida, Georgia, and maybe Alabama. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Could you imagine though? <laughs> but the Mississippi should be together. Everybody's rivalry should be t- rivals should be together. And I think if the pods get a little messy and like maybe somehow Texas A&M have ends up in a different pod or say Alabama, Auburn end up separated. I think the pods could go horribly wrong. Um, it does make sense though. And I'm not going to knock it down, shoot it down. But the, the format that I would want to go with is just rather right now, you guys have seven and seven, two divisions, 14 teams go eight and eight, two divisions. Um, take away two games though, two cupcake games, I guess you could say, and make them the other sec games. And you still have two out of conference games. So in the case of Florida, you guys would still be able to play your Florida State game. And then you have one more game where you could choose who else to play, whether it be Bethlehem Cook, someone lower tier, whatever. It doesn't matter. Jackson State, I don't care. But like, mm-hmm. I think I think it's more impressive, I think, to go through a gauntlet of eight SEC teams every year allows those teams to develop rivalries. Like Texas could develop a rivalry with the Mississippi schools if they want right, or if, mm-hmm. if needed. Because Ole Miss and Texas played a few years back and they had they got a little chippy. Um, so it allows schools to build. And I think it's more impressive when the playoff committee is looking at it. If a team goes through literal nine games of sec play and they have to like play the additional two. So the additional two would add, make it nine. 
I think that's mm-hmm. super impressive in the minds of the playoff. But, but see, here's the thing: under the pod format, you're still playing nine games. Right. You're just playing your teams in your conference more frequently. So to me, I, I feel like not to put a not to pop your your balloon, but like I feel like that right there is is mute because a it's the same number of games and b mm-hmm. the games are played more often and the competition is there. You because then you risk something like what happens with the ACC Coastal and what happens at times with the SEC East where they're just so far away, the worst conference, like the worst division in that conference, that those teams kind of aren't taken as seriously. And when bad teams play each other, we all know how college football works. Everything is perception. If I tell you that this team has been good for X amount of times, you're going to say, oh, they're a really good team. And your perception is that way. That's literally how we have these schools. There are schools, Florida included, Texas included, uh, not to bag on Notre Dame anymore, Notre Dame included, Ohio State, Michigan, all these teams, all these schools are considered quote unquote powerhouses because they performed at a high level when the sport was not as difficult. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. back in the forties and fifties and sixties, when they were the teams that just ended up having the exposure, right? Exposure. Some of most of the time, some of the times equates with being able to get your name out there. Obviously that's exposure, but then that equates to a reputation amongst the casual fan. And and there's this implicit bias that's kind of seeped into it, right? There's an implicit bias that the SEC is the best conference in the country, but that's because it was built off of the backs of what happened at the end of the 2000s and at the beginning of the last decade. And it's rightfully so, but you can't tell me that the SEC isn't given a pass more than other conferences. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's what that would create within those divisions. So I feel like with pods, you're able to play other teams more often and you're giving competition and, and also getting the experience with the fans and the student athletes and all those people to experience more things of what makes college football great. Yeah. And honestly, just like the playing the nine games, like you said, for me is um, like the same thing. They're going to play in the pods with the format that I'm suggesting. They'll be able to play each team every four years as well. Um, I just think from a traditional standpoint in college football, keeping the divisions will be like the closest thing to, the college football that we're about to lose. And so I think that also mm-hmm. should hold some integrity. Um, there's not really like a scientific explanation for it. I just think that that should be valued a little bit more than it's being currently valued by the pod enthusiasts because as soon as we go to pods and everybody's doing pods and stuff, there's not going to be any more SEC West versus East rivalries or like little beats. But, you're, gonna- but here's the thing, but you're keeping those rivalry games intact. So like no, you but still like have the Egg Bowl, you still have the Iron Bowl, you, you, know, right. you still have Florida, Georgia, you still have those games. But the chance to build a new rivalry is less likely. Like, Well, you're playing every two years, so it's not but, like you're not playing them frequently. Like I think the coolest thing about the SEC, especially from a Florida or Georgia perspective, is when mm-hmm. the East is able to go in and try to knock off Alabama at the top of the West. Like it's East versus West. It adds more to it just because it's like, this is our side. That's your side. Like, okay, I think, so I, I think, I think you're valuing the East and West, like uh prideful affiliations a lot more than people think. Like as someone who went to an SEC school and is a fan of an SEC East school, I don't care. Like it, it really does not matter. Like we want to beat Alabama just because they're Alabama. Like not because it's SEC East versus SEC West. You know what I mean? Like yeah, we, thankfully we're just, in the East and we're able to quote, you know, mark a successful season, quote unquote, because we have those championship expectations, we can hang an SEC East banner every year. If, you know, realistically, we compete for that to play in Atlanta every year. But I feel like if you just make it the top two performing teams, like it is in the Big 12 uh, <laughs> at its current iteration, um, like it is in the Big 12 to play in the title game, I think you're incentivizing all of those different things. So 
I just respectfully disagree on that one. Yeah, no, that's fine. And then another thing that I think is would be something to add to the divisions is adding Texas and Oklahoma to the east, or what would be the West now. Sorry, my geography's all messed up. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it would give like I wouldn't say equal top four teams, but each side or each division would have four really good teams. And so I think mm-hmm. that would be interesting. Maybe do like a tournament or something. I don't even know. That'd be <laughs> like that. <laughs> you, that you mean <laughs> that'd be interesting. I'm that'd be the only thing I like about the pods is like if there could be like an end of the season pod tournament where it's like the top two mm-hmm. teams from each thing kind of go at it to decide who will be in the SEC championship. That would be something I support for the pods, but I don't foresee that happening. So I'd rather just keep the tradition a little bit in college football because tradition about to, to, tradition's about to die. So <laughs> tradition died. Tradition died on Wednesday. I'm not yeah. even kidding. And and that leads me to to another thing. We talk about how great this is for the SEC and how great this is for Texas and Oklahoma. I think this is horrendous for college football as a whole. For college football as we know it today. Let me clarify that. There's a lot of things about this that I enjoy. The potential to go to pods. The fact that, you know, you have more high quality programs and teams in the best conference and you can see them day in and you know week in and week out and that's fantastic. But I think that this has a like a large large effect on the middle class of college football, right? Like I think that this hurts those, you know, all the other teams in the Big 12. I think this hurts um the lower tier Power 5 teams. I think this hurts all the group of 5 teams. I don't think that this is as healthy. Consolidating all of the power in the SEC to me is not a success. It does not equate a healthy college football, just the game, right? We just had the 150th season two years ago in 2019, and it was all this talk about how, oh my God, the 150 year, and look how we've grown, and look, we've gone into divisions, and we've gone from this to that. I, I just, I understand that there's change in society, and and listen, I'm not anti this these 16 team uh, super conferences. I, I I think that's very intriguing, and I wouldn't say no to it. And I'm a college football junkie, like I'm gonna watch regardless. Like you tell me. If it's college, if it's universities playing football, I'm watching the game. Like, I'm sorry, it is what it is. Um, But I just don't think that this is healthy in the long run in terms of the health of the sport overall. I think you're going from 120 something programs in Division One. And then from there, we already have the separation of like a 1A of Power Five and a 1B of Group of Five. And then I think what we're doing there is taking that 1A and like splitting it in half of like, okay, we have these four conferences and everyone else you're kind of done for. And I think eventually we're going to keep going, keep going, and keep going until. And look, I'm I'm telling you right now, I just got sent a text by my friends who are granted not like diehard college football fans like we are, but you know are aware of the sport definitely. Um, that there's this tweet from this guy Jack McGuire, who I looked him up on Twitter, and he works for a company that I despise and I'm not afraid of slandering on here, and it's Barstool, and Barstool I will, will literally never work for. Um, and I know that that's like, oh, you're sure. No, no, I have until Portnoy is out of there. I'm not compromising my values. Um, he apparently is a blogger and social media for Barstool. And he an hour ago, Borba. So at about five o'clock ish on Friday afternoon, July 23rd, he said that the SEC has been in serious contact with Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson and Florida State. Not clear if this will materialize, but they have their eyes on a true 20 team mega conference. OU in Texas is just the start. Then he goes up to fire to follow up on it, saying you can doubt all you want. This comes from multiple sources, including the one that gave me OU in Texas to the SEC on Monday. Um, and then whatever his hashtag scoop city, whatever the little barstool thing says, they they haven't missed on something since 2019. So I'll take it with a grain of salt because it's coming from a company that I don't really respect. But 
I think there is, you know, some kind of truth to the idea of the SEC wanting to become essentially college football Thanos and take over everything. And, you know, it won't be college football anymore. It'll be the SEC and its divisions, you know? Yeah, no, that's something I, I haven't seen that tweet. So that's actually really interesting. I, I hate that. Um, I, I do as well. I, I think that's horrific. I think that's I think horrific. 20 teams thing, in one. The thing that will say, like, say we're staying at four super um, conferences. So like the Pac-12 right. will still be one. I think the thing that would actually balance out the power without like snatching teams from other people is name image and likeness because okay. we see we see Oregon um, USC should probably be succeeding as well they're using name image and likeness so well that they're grabbing five like three five stars a week probably not mm-hmm. anymore but that one week they were and so name image and likeness is something that could save these other programs otherwise they're all going to fall behind now in reference to the like mega conferencing I hate that in part like hate that with all my guts because mm-hmm. I think Part of the cool thing about college football is that every conference has like a representative. And so if you just take all the best, this is literally like, I'm not that big of a soccer fan, but this is literally the super league part two, except it's in America. Oh, it is. Oh, it is. And it's it's college football. And so the, the difference between this and the super league and soccer is this is probably more corrupt now because this could realistically happen because yeah, another thing the sec could do, which I don't think enough people are talking about and all colleges could do this if they wanted to, is they could leave the NCAA. And kind of just do their own thing. Right. And so that would form, like, I don't even know what, like, I don't even know what to expect what that would cause. But that's something that we do not need or want because that will kill the sport in a way that it's just going to be, like, I see people comparing it to the NFL and college football should not be the NFL. Like, it's not that. It's like, we should have conferences. We should have the best of the conferences, say 12-team playoff, whatever go at each other and compete for the playoff. If everybody's just in the same in the same conference, there's eliminate conferences and we'll just play whoever. We'll draw hats or draw names out of a hat and see who we play each year. Yeah. And I think I think another thing to take into account here is I saw some stuff where people were um suggesting that the NF, the NCAA college football I should say is heading towards an NFC versus AFC type of um, structure like the NFL has. And I'm with you. I don't think it should be the NFL. I don't think we should model college football after the NFL. I think it's different culturally. I and think, you, you um, know why it works for the NFL because they have 32 teams and not, over not, o- not only that <laughs> they pay their players, Borba. Yeah, they are, they're allowed to collectively bargain. We're talking about all of this stuff about all these ramifications and no one is mentioning the actual players, all of this money that's happening in schools and athletic departments wanting to go ahead and get in on this craze of trying to make the most money amongst, you know, all these teams, which by the way, the more teams you add, the less cut of of a revenue you have as a conference. So I don't even think that makes much financial sense. Number one, number two, none of these players are able to have a voice in this situation. The play in the NFL, they have a players union where they're allowed to collectively bargain and they are allowed to have a representation and they split the revenue. I don't know if it's 50 50, but it's damn near close to 50 50 in the NCAA. These guys don't get paid right now. Recently, in the year of our Lord, 2021, players have been allowed for 23 days to make money off of their name, image and likeness. It took over 150 years. And I want to say, let's say the 80s, because the 80s was really the boom of capitalism and and excess of money and all that stuff. Um, since then, to, for players to even allow to make money off of their name, you know, let alone, and you have all these, all this money, like sooner or later, you're going to just have to pay the players. And, you know, sideline judgment, I know I speak for Tyler. We're both in favor of paying the players because of what they go through. You know, they don't, they're not given this excessive um, health care after 
they leave. I think it's, I think they now get healthcare two years after they graduate or whatever, after they stop playing, whatever it is. But you know, this is a rough, violent game and we're asking for 18 to 22 year old men to go out there and play football and not pay for them and the, and not pay them what their financial worth is. And the justification is that we're giving them a, a scholarship. And up until 23 days ago, they are allowed to make money off of their name in marketing and stuff. It's like the most anti, if the United States of America is supposed to be this free market capitalistic country, it's the most anti-free market capitalistic thing I've ever seen in my life. So I think it's hypocritical. I think when you expand to 20 teams, I think it's rough for the sport. And again, listen, I know I'm ranting here, but like in the nineties, people would have died at the thought of, Oh my gosh, a conference championship game. No, that's going to kill the sport. It's going to do this and that. So there's always been uprise whenever we wanted to make changes. And I never want to be the person that's like, no, because we, you know, I want to keep it the way it is because it's the way it is. You know what I mean? Like, because it's tradition, like, no, I want to be open-minded and see things. Am I the biggest fan of this, these 16 team super conferences? Not really, but I'm open to it. And I think that they can have some benefits. When we get to 20 teams in the SEC, what's to stop them from going? What's to stop the Big Ten from then going, all right, cool, we'll take 20. And it's literally just two conferences, right? You murder a lot of different things. You, you kill off traditions. You kill off rivalries. There's no way that you can play all of those teams in your conference. That kills the whole thing that I want with the pods where you're able to play teams more frequently. So I don't think it grows and it gives it the health of the sport, right? And I think all of this is because Texas and Oklahoma were like, Nah, I want to make a bit more money. Let's head on over to the SEC. <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, you had me. You had me in the first half. I uh, know you're right, though. I mean, the I think realignment was going to happen regardless. Um, I was kind of hoping that teams would join the Big Twelve. Like maybe mm-hmm. we'd be able to steal away up and coming, um, really good group of five teams and keep Texas and Oklahoma in the Big Twelve, and that would kind of keep the power balance. I wasn't expecting for the super SEC conference, but now that we have this super X, we're going to have the super SEC conference. I think if every team could just get up to 16 and we could call it mm-hmm. quits there, I think that makes sense. Um, I think the thing that pisses me off the most about the big 10 uh, or Ohio state coming to the SEC is that it makes no sense geographically. No sense. Yeah. I, I th- And I think here's the thing where, I've heard this a lot where baseball used to be a national sport where everyone cared about it. And now it's a regional sport where you, the people within that region care about the teams from their region. College football used to be a regional sport. And with the introduction of, you know, these mega TV contracts, and it's really the court case in 1986 that allows for um, schools to negotiate their own TV contracts with the advent of cable and all of that, it's become a national sport. And I think we're losing some of the roots of what that is, uh, of what college football is at its core. And it, at its core, it's regionalistic rivalries, right? What the best part about college football, what makes college football, college football among many things is the fans and the rivalries, right? That iron bowl hatred between Auburn and Bama, that egg bowl hatred between Ole Miss and Mississippi state, Ohio state, Michigan, all these schools that there's general like genuine sports hate. I feel like we lose a lot of that when we have these geographical uh, gaps between it. Like Ohio State and Florida should not be in the same conference. You got like, sorry, I don't I don't think that should happen. You know, um, it, it's it's kind of a push with Oklahoma. Like, I really don't think they should be geographically in the same conference. But again, I don't want to be the old man pounding the table. What happened when I was young? I don't want to be that guy. So I'm open to changes and I understand the positives to some of these things. But for the most part, man, like I said, great for the SEC, horrible for college football as a whole, especially if we're leading over over these things um, 
especially if we're leaving leading to these kind of things. Now, again, I, I, that was just speculation. I haven't heard anyone else reporting this, like reporters that I that I respect, like Heather Dinich, um, uh, Bruce Feldman, all these things. And nothing against this Jack McGuire guy. I had nothing against this guy, but I just don't trust Barstool as an outlet. And until I see that it happens, like this guy says that he had the the scoop about OU in Texas on Monday. We didn't hear about it till Wednesday. So, you know, who knows? Maybe we hear about it on Monday and it, it is what it is. But I'm going to wait until there's more credible sources um, to really start taking that idea of a mega conference seriously. Um, be I'll be damned whatever my group chat says. <laughs> Half of them don't know college football the way they should, but whatever. Um, so yeah, so there's those all those ramifications that come simply from Oklahoma and Texas just kind of being like, hi, SEC, Greg, can we have a meeting? I'd like to talk to you. <laughs> six six months ago. <laughs> six months ago, right. And like and, A&M apparently didn't know about it, all that stuff, whatever. In the depths, in the darkness. <laughs> yeah, literally, literally. Literally. Um, all right, Borba. So I, th- I think we covered everything. Yeah. Um, it's been a lot and this is an ever changing, uh, situation. This is literally something that is nonstop and it's developing. Like I said, that 20 team mega potential tweet was, came out an hour ago while we were recording. Um, so a lot of things to happen. Um, but, Probably. but yeah, that's going to be, that's going to be our, our reporting, our little, our little coverage here. Uh, thank you, Kevin. Uh, thank you, Borba, for coming on. Uh, where can the people find you? Where can the people read you? Uh, all those different things. The people can read me at Longhorns Wire. Um, you can follow me at Kevin underscore Borba on Instagram and Twitter. Um, the links are in my bio, and you could just follow them from there. Um, I'm constantly tweeting propaganda. Not really, just writing and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Of course, this episode is dropping on Monday, uh, and on Wednesday, you will be getting part one of uh, Tyler and I's What If series, where we expand the 12-team playoff. We go back to 2014, Borba, and we've expanded the what would have, you know, the 14, we expanded to what would have been under those new the new rules that were announced uh, to 12 teams, and we go year by year and see what would have happened in those years if know. we did have a 12-team playoff. So part TCU. one, which is... 2014, 2015, 2016, that's coming out on Wednesday. And then part two, which is 2017, 18, 19, and 20, is coming out on Friday. And Tyler's take on the Texas OU situation is at the beginning of Friday's episode of part two. So a whole lot of content coming at you from a whole bunch of different ways, but you can listen to all of it right here on your podcast feed, Apple Podcast, Spotify, um, Sideline Judgment Podcast. All right. And with that being said, this has been another episode of Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. That is Kevin Borba from Longhorns Wire from USA Today. And Borba, we end this show with, and I'm not biased, but go Gators. But I know you don't want to say go Gators. I'll hit him with a hook him. Hook him. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Just I'm throwing you a horns down. Just don't be mad and throw me a flag. How about that? that, Is that 15 yards in the SEC? I I think it might be. I think it might. I I don't know, man. We're a bit tougher over in the SEC. (laughs) So maybe that's why Texas, you know, what they're going to penal? No, they're not going to penalize them. We're out of here. We're <laughs> out of this conference. <laughs> uh, another episode of Sideline Judgment. Uh, my name is Sergio. That's Kevin Borba. And we're not biased, but go Gators. Welcome. Okay. <laughs>